Welcome to Notes from the North with Kyle and Sam. Welcome back to Notes from the North, the official podcast of the Vikings Gazette. Uh, we're proud to partner with Vikings Territory and Purple PTSD. And if you're looking for great Vikings content, uh, be sure to stop by those sites. Of course, you're always welcome at vikingsgazette.com. Um, this is episode 23, Kyle. This is, uh, we're, we're plugging away. We're, we continue yep. to go and we're, we're getting ready for the season. Um, but there was a game this past week. And so let's hop into talking about the Colts. Um, you've titled this first down as, as quarterback concern. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, uh, that's definitely a hot button topic right now with, within the Vikings fans. Um, yep. I don't know. Yep. I'm not sure what the team, but, um, Basically, let's recap here. Unless, yep. did, you have, did you have a point there you wanted to, to make before we jump in? Well, I will say, I mean, well, may, maybe I'll hold on to it. You go ahead, ask that first question, and then, because I think the team has some concern as well. Okay, fair. So, recapping, Vikings fell to the Colts Saturday night, 12-10, uh, low-scoring game. Overall, I think we would agree it's definitely a much better performance uh, for Minnesota, but the offense, there's still some struggles there. Um, yep. So, how concerned should we be about the the QB situation right now for the Vikings? So if after the first preseason game, I was looking at the backups and saying to myself, I'm a three or four to 10 concern, maybe just in that both Browning and Mon really played really poorly, but then you kind of say, okay, well, it's the first preseason game and everything that's gone on and, you know, it's the twos and the threes and, you know, so on and so forth. And to a certain extent, some of that, carries over and that it's yes it's still early and you know they're playing with guys who you know a lot of them probably aren't going to be on the roster at the end and uh you know cousins for instance he was playing and you know Thielen went out after the first series you know thank god it looks like it's just um a thigh bruise so it's not like he pulled a hammy or twisted his ankle so it looks like Thielen will be fine but you know he went out after a few plays jefferson didn't play Dalvin cook didn't play so you, you know your main Offensive weapons aren't there, right? So you contextualize all of it and you dress it up a little bit and say, okay, well, maybe it's not as bad as it initially appears. But it was bad, right? And and the concern is definitely higher. Um, I know that the team is concerned because Zim was asked about it after the game. And so this is a, a Chris Thomason tweet. And so this is this is what uh, Thomason tweeted out. He said, I, I asked Mike Zimmer if he's considering bringing in a veteran QB to be the backup. And he didn't rule it out. This is a quote. We'll talk more about it this week. With the monetary situation, we have to be careful. Okay. So at least it's going to be a conversation that uh, things uh, haven't gone as well as they would have hoped. I think the hope would have been that both Browning and Mond would have been further along, especially with what we saw with Browning initially in training camp where he got this opportunity and really impressed and seemed to step up. And then in two games, he's kind of been a deer in the headlights. Like the moment has just seemed too big for him, even though they're two meaningless games. And again, I get all the context and he's working with a very bland offense, not very creative. A lot of the weapons are out. And so I don't exactly expect him to be sensational, but the team is concerned. And I think rightfully so. Uh, so it's tough, right? Like Cousins didn't set the world on fire, but there's really no debate. Cousins is QB1 
in in 2021. He he is our he's locked in as the starter for better or for worse. If he misses time, we're in big trouble. Mm-hmm. So I'll be curious to see uh, what the Vikings do, if anything at all. I know Dustin over at Vikings territory, he kind of took a few minutes yesterday to talk about the QB two situation and who was available. And uh, you know it's it's not great. You know when I look at his list. You know, maybe the most intriguing one is Josh Rosen. Um, hmm. But then again, you know, Rosen hasn't done anything in the NFL, right? Like his, he's been a bust. Uh, maybe he could develop into a, a solid backup quarterback. I don't know. And maybe Kellen Mond will in time. It's, it's not, this isn't necessarily an indictment on Kellen Mond's career. It's just, I don't think anyone can look at his two preseason games and say, yeah, this kid is ready to play now. Right? Yeah. Josh Rosen's an interesting name because it feels like this would be what team five, team six early yeah, on. He's been, he's been all over like a 10th overall pick in 2018. And like, it's like, sure there's some upside, but um, there's no more certainty. And I think you're kind of looking for some, something that's um, isn't going to like, I don't think you're, you're, with a backup quarterback, you you want something that's steady because um, that's what yeah. seems to be really lacking there. And and he could very well do that, but yeah, it's not a whole lot there. So yeah, who would you say then right now is the backup QB? Well, that's that's the tough part, right? So like going into the first preseason game, it was very clearly Jake Browning. Okay, and then after the preseason game, he was still getting all the QB two reps. He was still the next man up in practice. You're saying okay, he underwhelmed, but again, all that context. He's still QB2. Kellen Mond's still number three. Let's see what happens in the next preseason game. But then they both go out and they both just play just very, very poorly, right? Like uh, Jake Browning, so he finished six for 15 for 82 yards. And it's not just, I mean, the basic stats are, are ugly, obviously, but it's not just that. You know, you watch him, you know, he was seeing ghosts, right? Like when, when pressure wasn't there, you know, he was skittish, right? And then Kellen Mond, Kellen Mond was 6 for 12 for 61 yards, which I don't know if you want to say that's better or worse. It's still pretty bad, 50% passing. The average isn't great. Uh, I know he had the one decent pass called back because of a, a holding penalty, but who knows, maybe he would have been sacked on that play if there wasn't a holding penalty. And then Mond is just, you know, both have been very inaccurate, not great pocket presence. Uh it's been disappointing. Now, again, Kellen Mond might go on. I was just reading an old uh, Bob McGinn piece. He's He was like a Packers writer for like four decades, right? And I think he's he's still around. I'm not sure where he is now. He was with The Athletic for a while. But he, um, you know, I was just reading this piece that he wrote a couple of years ago, and he was talking about how Aaron Rodgers really didn't play well, like in the first couple of years with the Packers, right? In, in practice, he didn't look like he was ready. And then, you know, of course, he went on to be a sensational quarterback. And I'm not saying that Kalamon's going to necessarily do that where you have, you know, a year or two where he's awful in preseason and practice and then goes on to be great. But uh, I just think that quite often quarterbacks struggle when they make the leap and quite often they can go on and still have great careers. So Kalamon might still end up being a great quarterback. And I'm not in no way am I throwing in the towel on Kalamon. I just uh, always would be concerning. If, if he had to start games uh, now, mind you, Clint Kubiak could do more. And I suspect that once this regular season gets here, the preseason's done, this offense should look considerably different 
I suspect. Right. Right. Because right now it's just, it's bland, it's boring. You're not trying to show your hands. And so I'd expect them to have a lot more bootlegs, a lot more rollouts, a lot more screen passes, a lot more rhythm and consistency, right? But then also, you know, some of those bootlegs and the play action, that kind of thing, you know, you can get explosive plays off that as well. And so I expect that week one in Cincinnati, you're going to see more of that. Uh, I would just personally feel a little more confident in the sense that this is the first time Clint Kubiak has ever done this, right? The dude's like in his 30s. He's just a few years older than Sam and I, right? And he's never been an offensive coordinator in the NFL. He's never called plays beyond what he's been doing. And, you know, the, it hasn't looked good, right? So, you know, the offense is going to take a step forward. Just the basic fact that the talent's going to be there. Cousins will be under center. Kubiak's going to be able to kind of fully unleash his system and get creative and do his stuff. And that's great. But uh, there's a lot of question marks right now. And so it's going to be very, very, very interesting. For sure. And like the, the backup quarterback position doesn't matter until it does. Like it's like there could be very well yep. no need for it and they're all good. Yep. But it's this weird position where um, it actually matters a ton because of that injury concern and especially with kind of this year and who knows what will happen and, and uh, miss games and COVID is still a possibility. Exactly. And like yep. it, it is a real um, like I do, I do feel like Mond um, at least looks comfortable back there. And I, like with Browning, it feels like it's going to be hard for him to overcome. Like he's just, he needs something to gain some confidence. And he did have those, a couple drives where he, he actually 82 of his passing yards, uh, were after like kind of that two minute drill, like he had those two, yep. two drives. Um, so there was a little bit there, although the defense is in a prevent position there. And, and so, uh, it's a little bit easier, but it is, I, I think it's fair for people to be concerned. I think often people get, uh, overly concerned with, um, where things are at and, mm-hmm. and can dissect issues, but, um, I don't think you're feeling comfortable with either of those guys jumping in with what they've shown so far. No. No, but, you know, but in in fairness too, like I was, I was, um, uh, I was looking at uh, PFF and some of the rosters on there, you know, if Tom Brady goes down, it's going to be Blaine Gabbert or Kyle Trask, you know, should, should Tampa fans be confident in that, right? Or, you know, there's, there's a lot of teams where you say, okay, if Matthew Stafford goes down for the Rams, you know, should, should the team be confident in their backup? So there's a lot of teams where you say, okay, if the number one guy goes down, they're in trouble, Right. So, I, you know, I want to balance that a little bit in the sense that, like, goodness, it's, it's hard enough getting one good quarterback, let alone two, right? But uh, with what Sam was saying, with the COVID situation, you could easily lose a game, not because you sprain your ankle or not because you blow out your knee or get a concussion, but because you're a close contact, right? And so in that situation, you know, we're, we're really hoping that the defense and the special teams can bail us out. And, we'll, you know, we'll... we'll We'll see. Uh, but obviously the hope is that Cousins will be available for the full season. Um, we're living in a strange world. And so we'll see. It's definitely concerning. And I'm definitely curious to see uh, what the Vikings will do at backup quarterback because it's definitely on the radar. Yeah. So like you mentioned uh, Kubiak and just kind of this position being new to him. Like, are you or, or should people be concerned about what you've seen from him thus far? 
I would be less concerned if it, if this was Gary Kubiak, I'd be less concerned because he's done it before. He's yeah. done it a lot, right? And it's, I mean, he's not like Gary Kubiak is the perfect coach, but he is a good coach, right? Mm-hmm. And he's uh, just got so much wisdom and and experience to draw on. You know, and Clint Kubiak, like they're they're good coaches on that side of the ball for the Vikings, and I'm sure he'll lean on his dad too. He'll lean on Zim, who's been around, but gosh, no one will believe you can do it until you do it. Right. Yeah. Like who, how can, how confident can we be in Clint Kubiak until we actually see him do it until we actually see him and say, Hey, that was a great game plan. He kept the, the opposition off balance the whole game. We'll see. I mean, it's, it's, it just feels like with, with, with him, it's a low floor, high ceiling kind of situation. Hmm. And so he, we could, we could bottom out, we get a really low four. It could go really poorly. Or things could go really excellent. Maybe he's like a Kyle Shanahan type who just takes over for his dad kind of thing and just falls in his footsteps, but then puts this modern twist on it and ends up being this kind of like boy wonder. You know, Sean McVay's of the world's uh, Kyle Shanahan. Maybe Clint Kubiak is that next one. So yeah. we'll see. But it's, it's risky. For sure. And it, for sure it's risky. I Like you made a point last week where like, obviously you're not throwing out all your premier packages right now. No. Your premier no. plays like you're... Um, this is preseason, but I don't know about you, but like the second half of these games, these past two weeks have been like almost like borderline unwatchable. Yes. How like bad they are. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of, I'm curious what they're looking for at that point, because I know as a fan, the entertainment value when normally the third and fourth quarters have been, those are where, when things happen, obviously it's different right now because they're putting in the backup players, players fighting for positions. Um, but it's been it's been painful to watch. Um, yeah, it's it has been. For, and I mean, they said on the game broadcast, here we got two full preseason games, and the offense still hasn't scored a touchdown. Yeah, right. We had the pick six from Troy Die, and then we've had some field goals, and we haven't had anything else. And that that's concerning. Right? Yeah. Like that, that is level. That's reason for concern. The level of concern shouldn't necessarily be outright panic. Um, I'm not willing to you know mortgage the future to, to trade for someone to bring someone in just in case, but. It's not good. It's not good. Mm-hmm. So we'll, yeah. we'll see what happens in the third preseason game. But so far, it's been a little bit lackluster. For, for sure. sure. And like none of this matters until it does matter. And exactly. it's like hard. Like it's like the, as game one, if they come out firing, it's like it doesn't matter. But if yeah, who cares? If this is a, yeah. a foreshadowing of what's what's to come. Then um, yeah. that's when I think that's why why people can can be concerned. Um, transitioning here, did want to talk a little bit about players that are trending up. Uh, and trending down. And so I know you've prepared three players that are trending up um, or who you think are trending up and then three players who are, are trending down. So let's start with the positives. Uh, who would you say are three players that are, are trending upwards right now with, uh, with the Minnesota Vikings roster? Yeah, so the focus, yeah, so three up, three down. I'm probably going to write about this at some point today or tomorrow. Uh, but I thought it was kind of an interesting topic um you know three up three down is a a baseball term but in any case it illustrates the idea here for the segment so for unsurprisingly the three up are going to all come from special teams or defense and that's uh britain colquitt troy die josh metellus so colquitt had a much much better game a punter veteran punter and after the first preseason game you know zim said you know there is a reason for concern because colquitt just did so poorly uh, with his punts but he he punted a lot this game and he averaged 40 i think it was 46.1 yards overall so really it's it's a pretty healthy robust number 
and the coverage was a lot better. And some of that was Josh Metellus. That's the reason why I have him on there. I would be surprised at this point if he doesn't make the team almost exclusively because of his ability on special teams. Um, I think on defense, he's a good tackler, but I think he can get lost in coverage. And so again, if he's out there, I think you're concerned, but if he's on your punt coverage or your kickoff team, you're feeling really good because the dude can hustle and the dude can tackle. And so we all know how poorly special teams played last year. And so to have these guys who can cover really well, I just, I thought Josh Metellus has played really, really well in special teams. And then Troy Dye, you know, obviously he had the pick six. He almost, he should have had a second interception as well. He was sent on a blitz, um, didn't quite get there fast enough, but he did hit the QB yeah. uh, really hard and really and clean. Like it was, yeah. it was a clean, hard hit. Again, this is one of those ones where, you know, I would show it to my boys that I coached in high school. Like, this is how you do it. It's you're hitting with your shoulder. It's in his midsection. We're not hitting his head. We're not hitting his knees. It was a clean, hard, physical football play textbook, right? It was just like, it was, it was a perfect. And then he was good in run defense as well. Um, so he was, he had a rough rookie year, but he, uh, he has looked nice so far. And, and so much of what I think he struggled with in his rookie year was that he was just in this, like, if anything, he's not a bad player, but he was put in a bad role, right? He was just put in a role that he wasn't ready for. Uh, but if he's the, the LB4, if he's our fourth linebacker, or maybe even our fifth, because Blake Lynch might end up being the fourth, uh, then I think he can be nice, man. He can come in and contribute here and there and then be good on special teams. Uh, Troy Dye had a nice game. Was there any, I mean, those three fr- from your perspective or then other players you thought kind of stood out? Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, Troy Dye, like, I, it was amazing to see like the, the thing that I noticed the most about this game um, personally was just the way that the linebackers were able to get up field, like much and, better. And he was definitely one of those. And like, I was thinking like, I don't think that Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater would have had to uh, wash their jerseys after last week. Like they did not, <laughs> yeah, probably like, not. I don't know if they actually like hit the ground at any point. Um, <laughs> yeah. But like, even from like the first play, it was like, they brought that blitz and I was like, Oh, like, okay. Like they can do this. Um, so like, I just noticed the linebackers as a whole, um, I am curious what you think about the running back position. And like, I felt like, um, mm-hmm. I feel like the running backs, like it feels like there's four good ones there. Um, obviously we haven't seen cook yet, um, yeah. but I know Matheson was involved early in the past game. Um, yeah. but like, I felt like, um, for as much as the passing game has struggled, it feels like, Hey, you know, you got four legitimate backs here and I guess doesn't even, uh, including him, um, and so well, that's the thing. So I think CJ Ham's probably a lock, right? Because mm-hmm. he's, as far as fullbacks go, he's pretty well compensated, right? right. He's, he's, he's on a decent contract. And I know, I know the coaches love him because he's just, he's a, he's a special teams guy. And he actually, he took a carry uh, for nine yards, I think, uh, in this past game. And I know Zim has spoken different times that, you know, he can do that. And, uh, and he can catch the ball a little bit. CJ, CJ Ham will almost certainly be on the team. And then from there, Dalvin Cook and Madison are both lock. And so those are three in the running back room. And then I think Amir Abdullah is going to be your, your third tailback because right. he contributes on special teams. He can be really good on, on passing downs. You can line him up out wide, which they've done a little bit in the preseason already. And then A.J. Rose really, really, really strong first preseason game. Mm-hmm. He struggled in the second one. I can't imagine he makes the team. I just can't imagine when you have – Cook, Madison, Abdullah, there's already not enough ball to 
to have all the three of these guys involved. I mean, Cook is going to have the vast majority, and rightfully so, but you can make a case that Madison and Abdullah should be more involved. And then Ham is going to get a few touches here and there, and then obviously be in a blocking role. Uh, Jake Vargas is their other fullback, and he's he's been pretty nice. He's been a bit of a, a checkdown guy for Browning and Mond, so he's a bit of a security blanket, which is nice. But unless he really, really pops on special teams, I can't imagine he gets beyond the practice squad. But I would, I would imagine he does make the practice squad because he's got pretty good hands. And sure. uh, and if Ham were to go down, you know, a fullback is a big part of this offense. Mm-hmm. And so I, I actually, I think that Jake Vargas will be on the practice squad. It's it's going to be interesting what they do with Adrian Rose. I don't know how they'll handle that. For sure. Well, like yeah, um, Abdullah looked good. Rose, yeah. like you said I, we didn't mention him last week. I felt like he looked good. Very good. Week. He did. He did have that 14 yard run. Um, but other yep. than that, he was pretty stifled uh, this yep. game. But um, it's obviously it feels like, and maybe you might disagree, but it feels like either it seems like the Vikings have incredible depth at positions, or they have a lot of like concern. Like there's a few positions where like uh, you're like, oh okay, like they've they've got a lot of options here, um, yep. and uh, and obviously the run game is important to the offense. Um, yep. AJ Rose obviously has to do something remarkable to make this team because of what's ahead of him and precisely not enough yep. uh ball for for him to do stuff but but anyways it's i did want to to mention that mm-hmm. um going towards a negative who would you say are three players that are are trending downward um from so I, at this point yeah i think this is kind of i got three names down here but maybe i'll leave it in a sense because i want to put browning and mon but we just talked about them I'm going to kind of collapse them into one. It's the QB2 and QB3. It's not really fair for them to take up two slots, I don't think. Um, but they're definitely trending down so mm-hmm. much so that, um, you know, you might, the team might bring in outside help, right? They're going to, they're going to look at veterans and, and see. Um, Mond is going to make this team no matter what because he's a third-round pick, right? Browning might very well get cut. And, and maybe he's kept on the practice squad. Uh, but it's going to be interesting. From there, Cameron Dancer has definitely uh, gone down. I mean, Chris Boyd was getting snaps ahead of him. And and don't get me wrong, Boyd's played well. I like Chris Boyd. But with what we saw from Dancer last year, I think most people were planning and hoping for him being a starting caliber. Maybe, maybe he doesn't start because Breland is so good and Peterson's so good. You know, maybe you just have this... I don't want to say embarrassment of riches, but you just you just have a lot of strong options. And so maybe he gets forced out as a result, but he still is a starting caliber guy who gets a lot of snaps. Through the preseason so far, he's he's really been up and down and he's gotten scorched deep a couple of times. And it's worth noting, I guess, that coming into the draft, you know, the issue for him wasn't his his tape. The issue wasn't the product in the field, but it was his 40 time. And there were concerns about his speed uh, or lack thereof and, and whether he'd be able to you know, to keep up with uh, the speedy guys, the Tyree kills of the world. I mean, not many can obviously, but you know, that, that, you know, breed of receiver where they're just very, very fast, very, very explosive, uh, that kind of type of receiver. Uh, and so far he struggled with that. And so Cameron Dancer has definitely trended downward from there. I don't actually know who to put third. I've got a little bit of concern about Rashad Hill. He allowed a pretty quick sack to, uh, uh, on, on cousins there, which put them in like a third and 20 situation or something like that. Cause I think, you know, I think it was second and 18. And then I think that lost a couple yards in the next play. 
but the Vikings offense is just not built for second and 18, nor are they built for third and 20. So the Rashad Hill stuff to me was a little bit concerning. Uh, and then from there, I, I wonder about some of the depth defensive ends. There's a real log jam there. Um, I wonder, I, I wonder about, uh, I wonder about if Jalen Holmes is able to snag a spot. I like him. And then I wonder about safety. Some of the backup safeties, Miles Dorn. Uh, I'm not sure. Cameron Bynum, he's probably going to be on the team because he's a draft pick, but he struggled. So I, I don't know. It's there's there's a few contenders for that third spot. Is there anyone that you thought that I didn't mention who's kind of giving you some reason for concern? No, I like I was going to mention Dantzler a little bit. I like I do kind of wonder. I know there's I, I like I was trying to find if anyone was talking about it, but it does. I know he's had injury an injury yes. history. Yeah, that's right. And there is something where like it just doesn't look right, like especially in that play um, in week one uh, where he got burned for the the touchdown. Um, yeah. Like I, I kind of wonder if there's something going on there. Um, mm-hmm. But you obviously would hope, especially with the way that Peterson and Breland have come in, that that yeah. would motivate him to really compete for that position. And like you said, it definitely does not seem like he's, um, from what I can remember from last year, that he's taken that kind of that next step that because we were kind of talking about he's in that competition for that that um cornerback two spot and exactly. he hasn't he certainly um has got burned on a few plays and yeah so in I, contrast Breland looked great yeah right yeah. Like, so i like Breland's going to be the, the second cornerback yeah it's it's, it's almost 100 percent at this stage it's it's Peterson and Breland on the outside, and it's Mackenzie Alexander on the slot, right? And and then really, it's can can Dantzler hold off Chris Boyd for the the fourth quarterback or cornerback spot, right? Right. That that's kind of where we're at at this stage. Yeah, and, and Boyd looked like he had a couple of plays where um, he got burned, but there was also some plays where he stepped up again. And um, I don't like just even the you can just see with some players the energy they. Yeah bring and like just watching him after he makes a play and how he responds um yep. it just feels like that's something that um obviously it's you you want players that are going to make plays um mm-hmm. but i am looking for like you talked about last week a little bit of swagger from this defense um exactly. and he seems to be a guy that's that's bringing that a little bit i don't know if you've heard one of zim's sayings is i'd rather have to say whoa than go which is to say, I'd rather have to say to a player, whoa, 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 settle down. You're being too aggressive. As opposed to get going, play faster, be more physical. I'd rather I say, whoa, than go. And with Chris Boyd, the issue is saying, whoa, as opposed to go. I mean, his issue is being, playing a touch too fast, taking bad angles, maybe being too physical. Like his, his strengths can be his weaknesses, right? But he's, he's a guy who I think Zim is probably likes because he plays with that swagger plays that confidence plays with the physicality if he's if he's my fourth corner my fifth corner i love that because because mm-hmm. he's a strong special teamer and when you put him in you know that he's going to compete like heck right like he's he's going to make mistakes yes but which team's fifth corner win it or fourth quarter win it right so you know that at the very least dude's not going to back down he's going to be physical in the run game and he is like if he gets burned he's going to be coming back that next play and playing strong mm-hmm. so i I like Chris Boyd a lot. I, I just, it's just disappointing with Dantzler. Yeah, for sure. Um, and at least in an encouraging sense, it's not like there's no one that's coming up 
So right. like the fact that Boyd is there and challenging Dantzler from from kind of behind, I guess, and what we would have early predicted uh, in terms of the 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 depth chart. Um, so, anyways, there's mm-hmm. still there, and I just I do wonder um, about the injury history, and you kind of always wonder what players are battling through. Um, but but that was the name that I was thinking. Right. Um, we can transition here to the third down here and looking ahead. Um, the Vikings need to get to 80, 80 guys tomorrow. They've already made a couple moves. What would you say they do from here or how, like, how do they, how do they proceed? So they got to get from 85 to 80, right? And then in a week's time or weekish, I think it's the 31st of August, they have to get to 53, right? So, you know, things are going to be moving pretty fast and furious following that Kansas city game. But in the meantime, they've already cut Warren Jackson and Dylan Maven. Which I mean, I don't imagine anybody had them on the Vikings final roster. From there, I think they're actually down to 82 because Cameron Smith retired. And I don't believe they brought somebody in to replace his spot. And so, in that sense, that kind of saves you from making a decision because the decision's been made. He's he got a concussion. He had open heart surgery last year. You know, all these health, and he just sounds like he made the right decision for him and his personal health. Got to respect it. Fair enough. And so, to me. What's going to be fascinating, I don't know who these two players will be. I'm sure the Vikings do, and I'm sure they'll they'll make their decisions here uh, soon enough because it ha- has to happen by tomorrow. I'm going to be curious to see what they do at quarterback because they still currently have five on the roster, right? And so you've got, obviously, Cousins, Mondon Browning, who we've been talking about a lot today. But then you also have Nate Stanley, who was chosen late last draft, and he hasn't dressed for either of these games. And then you have Etling this uh, fifth quarterback who they brought in just basically as a camp arm after the whole COVID situation and Mons and Stanley and cousins were out. And all you had was Jake Browning. Well, you can't run training camp practices, 90 men with one quarterback. You, you, you need camp. And so they brought in these two camp arms and one of them has stuck around. I don't, there's, there's no way that he, sh- he should really be on the roster. You know, how is he going to leapfrog? three quarterbacks but it's interesting that he's still there right like he's not getting any opportunity in the preseason games but he's still there and so i i wonder you know what does that mean in terms of uh will the vikings try and keep maybe two quarterbacks on the practice squad so maybe you go into the season with cousins and browning or rather cousins and mond and then maybe browning and this other guy is on the practice squad i don't know but it's just it's very curious to me that that fifth quarterback wasn't the first one to be cut because he's getting zero opportunity and seemingly has no path forward with the Vikings to any meaningful role, even QB three being a meaningful role in the sense. So it was, it's going to be very interesting. And then from there, you know, I was just seeing on Twitter, someone was mentioning, um, you know, he uh, tagged the Vikings Gazette on Twitter and was mentioning that he was wondering if the Vikings would move or cut one of their veterans at this stage of course, everyone's thinking of Dakota Dozier, but you, you kind of like a doing right by a vet to say, you're not going to be on our 53. We'll cut you now to give you more time to get on somewhere else, right? And and try and, and so maybe, maybe look out for that as well. Uh, someone had mentioned that just a few minutes ago, and it's, it's a you know point worth considering. So those are the kind of the two things I'm watching, what they'll do with their five quarterbacks, right? And then what they'll do if potentially if they'll move a vet uh, as kind of like a, you know, a good gesture to say, we don't have a spot for you, unfortunately, but, you know, have a go of it 
a little bit earlier and see if you can latch on somewhere else. Yeah, well, I like Dakota Dozier. I, like, I don't know if you see in the Minnesota Vikings, like every single announcement that they make right now is just littered with these. Like, you want to drop Dakota Dakota Dozier <laughs> posts, and I like, yeah, just from that standpoint, I'm I'm almost like cheering for him. Like, I like I almost want I him to stay because it just feels, um, well, it feels like bullying. Um, yeah, bullying. I feel bad for the guy. Like, it, like it's gone too far. It's like it, at some point, it's like okay, like. The, the there was a, a joke there but now it's just like if uh, anyways it just doesn't feel helpful for mm-hmm. for anyone involved so in some ways you feel like it would be more respectful to drop him if you're going to drop him now versus when the the mass cut happens um for to get to yeah. 53 if if you if you're 99.9% certain that Dakota Dozier is not on our final roster and nor do we want him for our practice squad right like if if there's just like no future for him in Minnesota then yeah, cut them now, right? Because because there there are teams that would want a veteran versatile lineman, right? And in a sense, you, you like you do right by a guy, and you give him a chance to continue his career, right? And and have a role. Uh, that's important, I think, for a lot of journeyman guys. And then I wonder too what that means for the NFL is not that big of a community, and I wonder what that means for other veteran guys, journeyman guys, to want to work with the Vikings in the future. Like, hey, they do right by us. They they treat us well. They respect us. Um, you know, we talked about AJ Rose, you know, one of that you say, well, he put some stuff on tape in the first preseason game. You know, there's no, there's no path forward probably with the Vikings, but there might be a path forward somewhere else, right? If, if it's not the practice guy with the Vikings. And so, you know, some of these guys, you know, that's, that's their resume, right? For someone like AJ Rose. And then for Decozier, he's obviously a vet. He's got a lot more tape. And so the league knows who he is, but yeah, I think it's, it's a certain amount of respect, right? And just a organization handling itself with integrity but mind you you know this i'm just speculating and and dozier at the end of the day if i was guessing right now i still think he makes the roster because i still think they value his his veteran you know savvy and leadership and the versatility but i I just just don't be shocked if there's a veteran guy who they they do cut and that being the rationale right yeah that makes sense um yeah it, like it feels like such a drastic thing. Like you're you're cutting a few players here, here, and then all of a sudden, like it's just like exactly. bam, like twenty seven guys calm before the storm. Gone. Like you've got an entire lineup yep. plus some that's just yep. getting dropped. Um, now, mind you, a lot of those guys, not not at all, because you're you're going to try and the Vikings will be looking at other teams. They'll leave right. a couple spots in their practice squad open and try and steal a couple guys. But so you cut twenty seven. You know, I think the practice squads are set at 16 again because of COVID. So a lot of those dudes you're trying to bring back. Mm-hmm. Maybe 13 or 14, you're going to prioritize and then see if there's, you know, other guys. Because, I mean, the Viking scouts are working overtime right now. And uh, and so they're they're seeing, you know, because, again, whatever you put on tape, that's your resume, right? Yeah. And so, yes, 27 get cut. Uh, a lot of them hopefully will come back. Right. Half, let's say, around, around half for the practice squad. and uh, And then go from there. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it'll be um, interesting. For sure. So like knowing that these cuts are happening, uh, which Vikings would you say are, are like there's a lot of them obviously, but but which Vikings in particular that you have an eye on are fighting for that roster spot on Friday night? You know, it's it's so much of it is gonna come down to special teams, right? Mm-hmm. Uh you know, a tight end, is it gonna be Davidson or Dylan? If they probably want to keep three tight ends, who's it gonna be? Right. Like when I think of the depth receivers, you know, is Dan Kisna, is he going to have enough 
of an impact on special teams, like he is lightning fast. And they were saying on the game broadcast that um, they asked Alvin Cook, if you did a hundred yard sprint with Dan Kizna, who would win? And Cook was like, him easily. Like he is, he is so, so fast. And that makes him really intriguing as a gunner because he's really long, like he's got a pretty big frame and he's so fast, he gets down the field in a hurry and it's hard to block him, but the man can't tackle. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's like having a, and I know he is a receiver, but it's like having a receiver who's blazing fast, but he has no hands. It's like, well, it's nice that you can get deep and get open, but if you can't actually catch the ball, it's the same thing with a gunner on punt return or a punt coverage where you say, well, it's amazing that you get down the field in a hurry, but if you can't tackle the man when you're there, it's not much good. So I wonder about some of these guys who, you know, Kisna was with us last year, always was intriguing, but kind of struggled. Uh, the tight end three position, you know, the Vikings are in 13 personnel. Not a lot, but they do it, right? And and that third tight end is going to have to be able to come in and run block. You know, Zach Davidson is the draft pick. Dylan probably, I don't know. He's he's had some opportunities, but, but it's just going to be interesting to see who really pops. And then from there, I'm really hoping to see a little more maybe from Cameron Bynum and Josh Metellus, you know, the backup safety spot. Um, I mean, these guys are fighting for their spots, right? And I, I have my favorites at this point. Like I, Josh Metellus is like my new favorite Viking because uh, he's such a great tackler on special teams. But again, we'll see uh, what the Vikings decide. I imagine he'll be there, but you know, that Kansas City game uh, on Friday is going to be very, very interesting. And then it'll be, and then like Sam was saying, it kind of feels like it goes slow, go slow, go slow. And then you need to cut, you know, dozens of players. Right. And so this, this is the final shot Friday night. Yeah. I, regarding the tight end position, I don't feel like either of those guys, Dylan or Davidson have really done a whole lot to no improve their stock. Like I feel no. like they've, they yeah. both had some drops. That's right. Um, I know Davidson's the, the rookie I, question. Do you think that there's any reason that Davidson would get a spot over Dylan, excluding the fact that he's the new shiny toy, the new draft pick um, based on his history as a punter, or is that like not even matter for the team? I think it does matter to uh, at least a little bit in the sense that like the more you can do, mm-hmm. if you, if you're a depth guy and all you can do is be a lousy tight end, well, forget that. But if you're a depth guy who can be a lousy tight end, who is improving, and who in a pinch can be your punter, right? Like if, if you know, God forbid, Colquitt strains his hammy on Friday, you know that you can dress Davidson and at least have some semblance of a normal punting. Okay, that's huge, right? Like, like because typically, you know, you're up Poop Creek. If, you're, if your punter goes down, you don't have a backup punter. So it's your kicker or it's you're going forward and fourth down or whatever it is you're doing. And so I think if you if you evaluate Dylan and Davidson and you say they basically offer us, in essence, the exact same thing on the field, mm-hmm. both in terms of maybe they're blocking and tackling on special teams and then in the passing game and run blocking all that. But Davidson in a pinch could be our punter. Well, then I think that's that that has to elevate Davidson. It has to. Yeah. Yeah, the, the more you can do, right? The more you yep. can do. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. yeah. Good. Uh, anything else before we transition here to wrapping up with the odds and ends? No, let's let's, let's do odds and ends. Cool. Well, uh, we'll have a very short wild update, but before we get there, there was some big news this week that was not Vikings related in the yeah, NFL. Um, Tim Tebow has been cut. Um, Kyle and I had a discussion about this months ago. Um, yep. If people forget or, or weren't listening at that point, Kyle thought he was going to be 
the number one tight end in the league. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, Kyle That's said, I think he said like something like 10 to 12 catches a week, regular part of, <laughs> or no, sorry, not 10 to 12. Send it. It was something about, um, I don't know. Maybe you remember what you said. It was something like you thought he was going to be 10 to 15 plays a game. Right. Yeah. I, I thought, I thought he would be a somewhat consistent contributor. Um, and then they're like, as the kind of like the tight end two or three, um, and then special teams, right? right. And here's my rationale. So that ended up being spectacularly wrong, but in my defense, uh, so my rationale was, so Tebow is like wildly famous and wildly popular in Jacksonville, right? Cause he played college in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my rationale is why do you bring this guy in and create this media frenzy and everything that goes with it, unless you're actually serious about him making the team, unless you actually think he can be maybe my tight end three who can be a lead blocker in some runs because he's really strong and rugged and then maybe contribute on special teams. So that, that's my, I look at it and say to myself, if he really is as much of a long shot as we all or as the kind of the consensus, the general wisdom was, then why even do it? It doesn't make any sense. Like in your first time head coach, you got Trevor Lawrence there, the number one overall pick. You're just trying to keep your head down, do your work, and re- basically resurrect this franchise. Jacksonville is not a good franchise. And you're trying to build it up and build something. Why create this headache? That was my rationale. And so I was looking at it and saying to myself, okay, well, maybe Urban Meyer, because of their history, maybe, maybe he's going to actually going to give him a role here. And so that was my guess. And that ended up being very, very wrong. Mm-hmm. I think so I had said like, do with that what you will. Yeah. I think I was like, I'd be shocked if he gets into more than three plays in the yeah. season. Yeah, that's um, right. Sam was definitely more skeptical. And like, I think that I, it's interesting you say that because part of me feels like him being around for the whole season might've been more of a headache than cutting him now. Like there's, there's always be yes. this buzz of like, Oh, if he's not doing enough, yep. like if he's not getting enough, it's like, Oh, like let's see Tim. Um, Tebow time let's go <laughs> right. um, which like is a little different yeah. like a, a tight end is obviously an important position but it's not really uh, the game breaking um, I just I think that obviously I would have loved to see him play I, I love Tim Tebow I, like I I was earnestly cheering for him but mm-hmm. it feels a little bit like even just seeing how much media coverage and, and watching the Skip Baylisses of the world just love to talk about him being cut this early on um (laughs) it's like they're they're grasping for whatever they can at this point but i like i do feel a little bit like it was and and similar where you're talking about with dakota dozier in some ways a respect move to let him go at this point because i do wonder how um, much of a distraction it would have been for the team obviously they're not they're not competing they're not going for a playoff position and so in some ways it'd be nice to have that media buzz but Mm -hmm. um I don't know. I think this is um, the last that we've seen from Tim in terms of trying to make this NFL comeback. Um, and it, it pains me to say it. I, I wish he was still around. Um, maybe some team tries to do something at some point to, to create that media buzz, but um, this like feels a little bit like quarterback. The, the Vikings <laughs> me too, so we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. That would be interesting. I, I don't think we've gotten there yet. Um, you imagine Tebow and Zim, how that, how that would go? That would be interesting. I, I like, honestly, it would be a lot of fun. Um, but I don't <laughs> think, again, I don't think they need the distraction for yeah, what they're hoping no. with the season. I, I don't think that, especially with kind of the, the feeling of where the team is going and, and what they're trying to do at this point, 
um, and the aspirations they have for the season, I don't think it's worth, uh, worth the distraction, but it would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Hard, hard pass, hard pass. Yeah. yeah. Um, transitioning a little bit to the wild. I know we've been talking about these contracts with Fiala and, and, and Kaprasov and Fiala did sign this past week to a, a one-year deal, 5.1 million, um, a lot of money one year. I, I think there was probably some hope that he would be signed beyond this and um, have a longer term deal, but they end up coming down to, to the one year deal. And, and the one positive is that he stays as an RFA um, and they still have the, those rights when they negotiate a new, new deal next year. And like we talked about 2022, 2023 is really when those buyouts um, really hit this team. Um, they do have some money with that will be coming off the books with uh, with Rask and and Goligoski and um, a couple other smaller UFAs um, this year. I like I I don't know I, I think it's always a good idea to lock up players that are important to the team for long term. And I feel like Fiala is the kind of guy that you want to do that. And and if he breaks out this year, um, then you're stuck paying him a little bit more than maybe he would have commanded uh, this year, but. I also do think that um, teams get burned on long-term deals a lot of the time. Um, not saying that I don't think that he would be a guy that would do that, um, but obviously uh, this is what they're able to to come to, um, and 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 that's where they're at. So now they've they've got um, 13 million left in, in cap space, and they've got Kaprizov. Uh, right now they're sitting at at 12 forwards and 60, and, and two goalies in the roster. Um, mm-hmm with that, with that cap hit. And so uh, it's going to be a really fascinating next week and a half with the, the kind of self-imposed, I guess it's even less it's week and a day self-imposed deadline that Caprizo and his camp have put in um, with this, the, the yep. threat of the KHL offer. So it's, it's going to be an interesting week to, to watch and, and see what they do. Yep. The, the Fiala deal kind of, maybe you disagree. It kind of feels like settling for a field goal. Yeah. In that, like, you know, it's not bad getting three points, but, you know, we had put together a pretty nice drive and we were hoping for a touchdown, but then we kind of stalled and kicked a field goal. It was like, you know, it's great. It's just, it's tough to really, really get ahead doing that. But I mean, as Sam was saying, he's still in RFA afterwards, but I guess the risk is that, in a sense, he comes back and does really, really well. And then now he's, you know, he's demanding far more than 5.1 million a year or whatever it would have been if he had signed a multi-year extension. So to me, it's, it's not, I mean, Minnesota has to keep him obviously. And it's good that they still have the team still have some control next year, but uh, it's does feel like settling for a field goal. Yeah. Yeah. Like he, uh, he's a good player. I know Dom in the, uh, with the athletic um, has this, as a, as a good contract, um, he like he's got a, a whole chart that projects like a player's um, yearly market value, and and this is based on years of historical data and, and such. And so uh, he projected that that his market value this year would be seven point three million, and so mm-hmm. he's got a, a positive value, um, yep. a good probability that he'll outperform uh, the contract. Looking forward, though, um, by the time he gets to 2025, 2026, that's when it starts to, to move a little bit in the downtrend uh, 
2029 age when when players there and so um it will be interesting to see it like it in some ways i think as fans you you get disappointed when you want a player locked in because you hate like the negotiation process is just painful sometimes yeah it is. Um, yep. to listen to and be part of but um yeah anyways it, it it's done they've got it they're they're there and so now we'll kind of wait to see what what happens next year and, and maybe they come to an extension mid-season um and mm-hmm. don't have to go through this process again right yeah okay i guess time will tell yeah good well we'll wrap up there looking forward to friday watching kansas city be interesting to see how the the vikings defense does um i'm sure mahomes i'm, I'm assuming mahomes will play a drive but i don't know um i wouldn't be surprised with anything i mean I'd be surprised if he play a lot, but no, I, I don't no. imagine he'll play. If he does play, it'll be very sparingly and pretty conservative. And then I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't play at all. No, no, exactly. Um, it would be fun to see what happens uh, if, if he is in and, and see how he matches up. But regardless, we got one preseason game left. Um, yep. Anyways, we want to thank people for listening. Be sure to stop by vikingsgazette.com for great Minnesota Vikings news, commentary, and analysis. TVG can be found on Twitter and Facebook at Vikings Gazette. Thanks for listening and and we'll catch you the next week.